Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. Today we have another guest, but first, let's get into introductions. So, I'm Kevin. I run a site called Svelte School, where I teach you all about Svelte and what to do and what not to do in Svelte. And soon we are going to have our first video course. So, Ooh. keep looking. Yeah, that's me. Exciting. I'm Sean. Hi. I'm also known as Swix, and I work at AWS as a developer advocate. And what have I done with Svelte recently? I played around with Elder.js, and I'm working on moving my own site over to Elder.js as a static site generator built in Svelte. Hi, I'm Anthony. I'm the CTO of Beyonk, which is an adventure, well, adventure experience booking platform. I'm also a Svelte maintainer, and I have very high CPU usage. All right. So our guest for today is Li Hao. You might know him from his contributions to Svelte, but I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, everyone. I'm Li Hao. I guess my full name is Tan Li Hao. So Tan is my family name. So you can find me at Li Hao Tan on Twitter. So who am I? I'm a Svelte contributor as well, like Anthony. So a bit of myself... I'm currently in Singapore, like Sean, next weeks. But actually, I'm originally from Malaysia. So for those who don't know where Malaysia is, it's like a Southeast Asia country right between Thailand and Singapore. That's where I'm from. It has better food, no offense, than Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) Although the culture-wise and weather and everything is almost the same. I'm currently working at Shopee as a front-end developer. So Shopee is this e-commerce platform. We would say like the leading number one e-commerce in Southeast Asia. So for those who don't know about Shopee, right? Last year, we had Ronaldo as our ambassador. So it's very funny. (laughs) I promise you, you can search for Shopee Ronaldo and we get him to do like a baby shark dance with Shopee. (laughs) That's hilarious. You, You have to check it out. And I think a lot of people who are not in this region would think that Shopee and Shopify is related, but we are not. I had a friend from Malaysia when I was young. His dad owned a restaurant in Manchester, and one day he went to the restaurant, and he said, order anything you like, any food you want, because you know, it's all free. You have anything you like. It's like amazing. So I ordered my what I thought would be an amazing dish, and it came to the table. And when it arrived, he immediately thought it was his and stuck his fork right in the middle of it and stuck it on his plate. And I was like, no. <laughs> so uh yeah i didn't really eat much malaysian food that day sadly yeah. okay <laughs> i would well, say the food in malaysia is pretty good i went a couple of years ago i like it for those who get to eat it, i'm sure it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> hopefully one day after the pandemic is over then maybe you guys can come over and i can bring you guys around hopefully yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds good amazing what got you interested in svelte Well, so I would say I was interested in the idea of Svelte earlier on. So maybe a bit more background about myself with the company. Basically, in Shopee, I'm on a so-called working platform-related stuff, which means that I work less on feature-related stuff, but more on fixing your Webpack config and Babel config, you know, upgrading Babels and stuff. That's because... I kind of volunteered into this role and I kind of like made this role into me 
So I was like playing with all this, you know, Webpack, Babel and all this stuff. And once in a while, we encounter weird bugs because we upgrade to the latest version. And I kind of have to like figure out why by basically read the source code of Babel, for example, to figure out why. And then slowly and slowly, I, I get more familiar with them and I started to, you know, actually make code fixes and make a PR to them. That's how I kind of get into open source. At some point in time, I kind of have this idea of like, you can play with Babel after a while. I was like thinking, why don't we, you know, compile JSX and React into like what Svelte is doing? Basically, back then was like things Svelte too. I was like, oh, you can just compile a Svelte in template into plain JavaScript. Why can't we do it with JSX? So I was playing with it, but you know, said it's too hard for me. I can't figure it out. But I was talking with my colleague and I was like thinking, huh, should I invest more effort into this? Or, you know, what do you think about this project? And he was telling me his advice, which is like, when you have some cool idea and someone has already kind of implemented, you can either work on your own idea to make it better, or you can actually collaborate with the author and you can do even better things in collaboration, right? So that somehow planted that seed into me. Actually, last year, Hacktoberfest, so for those who don't know about Hacktoberfest, so GitHub has this annual event of Hacktoberfest where you contribute to, I think it's in collaboration with DigitalOcean. So if you make three PRs or maybe five now, you will get like a DigitalOcean stickers and swags and t-shirt. So that's my main motivation. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) basically I was like, okay, how about just take this opportunity and take a look at Svelte's source code. That's how I get started. Basically, I'm just reading source code and understand how it goes and feel, find out like the easiest issues and figure out how to fix that. And slowly and slowly, I see like there's some to-dos in the source code. So I was like, oh, this sounds doable. So I'm just like, do it and make another PR. And yeah, sooner or later, one day, Rich just inbox me on Twitter and say, hey, do you want to join Svelte? That's how I get into it. So GitHub and DigitalOcean tricked you into Svelte. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. <laughs> I've been collecting their t-shirts every year, but I always couldn't get the size right. Like there's one year I get it too big. The other year I get it too small. I just don't know. I just don't know what happened. It sounds like SDD, which is swag-driven development. I mean, it's, I think that's quite a reasonable... <laughs> reasonable approach to things yeah i like it so you're pretty known for a couple of blog posts that you've written the first one being the compile svelte in your head part one and you have a couple of others maybe i think you got the idea from sean right yep yes sean you want to talk about it (laughs) so i was organizing the svelte society meetups in new york and i was thinking of ideas for talks because in the way that we organize meetups is very inspired by Oda Thorok's in TypeScript New York meetup where he has a beginner, intermediate, and advanced talk so that every, everyone who comes to a meetup has something to look forward to. So it's, and oddly enough, the beginner ones are actually the hardest to do because most people don't want to do the beginner talk. They just kind of want to talk about something that is at the edge of their abilities. So I was thinking about it. And then I was thinking that, you know, I don't really understand how Svelte works. So I use that as my beginner talk. And essentially, the Svelte repo has the, the compiled output. So I was just like doing a mapping from here's what you have on the left-hand side. And here's what it compiles on the right-hand side. And let's try to predict what each of these things are. 
I like ran out of time because I did that on the day of the meetup. I didn't finish it as a talk. I gave it as an unfinished talk and it did not go so well. Then I went home to Singapore and then I went to Shopee's internal meetup. Shopee has a really good meetup. They, they meet every week. And I gave it again as an unfinished talk because I didn't work on it at all. <laughs> and then, and then I can't tell. I actually took I it from there. It. Okay. <laughs> really selling really yourself there, Sean. Yeah. Quite a bit of my skill is like just in time speaking. <laughs> <laughs> just in time speaking. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you try to do as much prep as possible, but at the end of the day, you realize that you just have to get very good at improvising and whatever comes on the screen. So in NYC meetups, we have a fun segment, especially in Manhattan JS and Brooklyn JS, we call Battle Decks. And Battle Decks is when you go up in front, they start giving you slides that you haven't seen before, and then you're supposed to make a talk based on the slides that you haven't seen. You're like, talking about whatever happens and then you're like transition to the next slide and it's, it's like show something completely different and then you have to find a way to segue to that. This sounds it's hilarious. It's nice like improv thing. Yeah, especially because like they fill it with like bullshit business terms, uh, which is pretty <laughs> <should be> funny. <laughs> yeah, leverage your synergies. Yeah, I kind of did that with Svelte. <laughs> and then I think Li Hao saw the potential and actually followed up with a proper... I feel it's a very good way or perspective in explaining Svelte. Yeah, so one day I was thinking... That is a really good idea, like good way of presenting Svelte. And also that's a very catchy title, like compile Svelte in your head. So I was trying to figure a different title, but I, I'm just bad at naming things or like come up with titles. So I just one day I, I DM Swix telling him, hey, I like your title. Can I just keep it? Uh, can I use it? You know, redo the flow. I like the flow, but I, I will write a blog post about it, but I couldn't figure a title. Can I just use it as, use your title as well? <laughs> and he's very generous and he say yes. So that's how the compile Svelte in your head part one comes about. It's just a beginning of Svelte. And I think there's a lot of things to be covered. So like I wrote part two, part three, but there's a lot of things in my mind. And in a draft, basically I didn't manage to publish them. And definitely there's a lot of things to cover, right? Such as if, else how does a weight looks like and like transitions and yeah there's a lot actions. of things to be covered actions yes <laughs> there's Ooh, so actions. many things to cover yes. right yes. <laughs> yes lots i'll tell you why i think the title appealed to me actually is because if you interview for a lot of kind of the big tech companies the big five i can't remember what the acronym is for them one of the things they often ask you to do even in the pre-screening is They'll ask you to write code, but not use a compiler. So they'll ask you to talk through it and literally like manual looping and stuff like that. So I think being able to compile something in your head is actually quite a useful skill for anything really. When you do it, and I, I thought it was ridiculous at the start because I thought this is so pointless because we have compilers. It's like not using a calculator, you know, why you do the math in your head. But the reason being is because obviously you can really understand what your code's doing under the hood and you can spot inefficiencies much more easily if you're compiling it yourself rather than using a compiler or relying on tooling. So I think the title is genius, actually. Super catchy, I really like it. I came up with the name for Svelte Society and Svelte Summit and blog post titles, and that's about it. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a Zero. skill. <laughs> Zero value add. Titles actually play a big part in how I think, for sure, because it's something that you promise the reader and then you get their attention and then and then you have to deliver on the promise. I think you just described clickbait. Like clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> It's only clickbait if you don't deliver well, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Swix has this term called two words, right? Yeah, well, it's a philosophy, I think, more than a term, but yeah. 
No, no, I mean, I said two words. I was also thinking, like, how do I cram, like, compile spell in your head into two words, catchy title, but I just couldn't make it. Yeah, yeah it's that, an idea. That sounds it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I think you took it to, like, part one, part two, part three, and I think, are you planning to continue? Or, like, then you also had, like, a Svelte compiler handbook. Is that, like, a separate initiative? Yes, it's quite different, right? I think the idea or the... I would say target audience, maybe. It's a very different pick or perspective into Svelte where one looks at compile Svelte in your head, looks at how actually Svelte compile the code into JavaScript and how do you run it? How does it look like in JavaScript, right? Because with that, you kind of have a sense of what is the constraint or what is like the limitation of the syntax itself. There's a lot of things people are asking that I just couldn't compile it to JavaScript. I, I don't know how to implement it in JavaScript to do that thing. And most of the case, that's the reason why we couldn't do that feature, right? Basically, Svelte is a compiler. You have to always think about how do you compile that to JavaScript? If you couldn't think about that, or you have to do a lot of things in the runtime, basically, it's kind of like a no-no, I think, in the Svelte philosophy somehow. The other thing would be people are quite interested in Svelte, like they want to contribute. After you know how to compile things, Svelte into JavaScript, but you don't know how the compiler works, right? You don't know where things are. And like, for example, if I'm telling you like a div element will compile to document.create element div, but where is that code written in? Which part of it, right? That will be the reason why I wrote that because I think a lot of people want to know and basically they don't have a handbook or a place to learn about it. And I kind of inspired by the Babel handbook, if you guys know about it. So there's this Babel handbook that basically gives a lot of tips and tricks on how to do things in Babel. Like how do you write plugins in Babel? So that's also where the inspiration of the titles is coming from. Basically, I'm just bad at naming and coming out of titles. So I'm just borrowing it from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It seems to be working though. I've read all of them and then I really like them. So some other questions. What's your favorite PR to Svelte? Like which one that you've done are you most proud of or was the most fun to write? I don't really know. I think there's one <laughs> story that's kind of interesting. Basically, I was trying to optimize it in a sense where make it like if you're using like a variable in your template, but if that variable is never changed before, like you don't change that variable at all, you could basically I was thinking like, why not? Uh, inline it in uh, in a HTML. If you have a static element in Svelte, what Svelte will do is using in a HTML to make it shorter than really create like, the DOM elements. But if you start to have expressions, it will de-optimize into uh, creating text nodes and div and things like that, right? So I was thinking, hey, this variable is not changed at all, right? Because there's this number one tutorial, like the first thing in on the tutorial will be hello world, const name equals world, and then you just use the world and you don't change the name at all, right? I was thinking, why not just make it better where you just inline that in a, like when you're doing the inner HTML, you use like a string template literal instead. And then that got merged, but then someone pointed out that that will create cross-site scripting vulnerability because you oh. never know what variables it will be, right? right? Yeah, so that got kind of reverted a bit where we figure out maybe like inner text content and things like that 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 is like cross-type scripting safe. That's interesting. Like I never thought about that before, to be honest. That was one of my earliest MR, a PR. 
yeah, that's like maybe that's why I remember the most, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first few PRs, and I already introduced a vulnerability. It's definitely one of those things where you make the mistake once and then you'll never make it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start learning less in the hard way. This might be a stupid question, but uh, it's just uh, recently I've heard people calling pull requests MRs. What does MR stand for? Merge. Oh, merge request. Okay. So basically, it's a branding of GitHub where pull request is a brand thing, right? If you go to GitLab, it's called merge request. There's no such ah. thing as a pull request. That's the difference. Google calls it like a con- CL contribution something <laughs> list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, I know that Linus himself, you know, the guy who wrote Git, he doesn't like GitHub's pull requests at all. He's completely against them and the way they work because he says it's basically an augmentation of uh, the original feature. So I wonder what his original feature was called. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This is news to me. <laughs> He's now, well, if you look at the <laughs> Linux, look at the Linux yeah. source code on GitHub, it's read only. It's just a mirror. I'm using GitLab at work and GitHub in public. So I always mix up these two words. That's how I know about the difference between MR and PR. Because I just realized that, hey, how come GitLab is always using MR and GitHub is always using PR? What does Bitbucket use? Who knows? Oh, that's a good question. I think they're using pull request. I think they are because I've never seen anything other than pull request. I've never really considered it, actually. Yeah. How would you encourage people to contribute to Svelte? For the first time, for the first time, read my blog. If you don't understand, if you don't know how it works, I guess hopefully it's helpful to you. Like if it's not, also let me know. At least I can I did it because right now I guess that's something that we are lacking of. I guess maybe after reading it and getting more familiar with the code base, maybe you should write another blog or docs or things like that to you know telling people how to read Svelte's code. I guess it's a bit hard for beginners especially because it's like a compiler. It's very different than a normal library because compilers have different steps and it's just very different, right? The learning curve that other frameworks don't really have. Yeah, it's really tough. But if you're reading enough compilers like Babel, TypeScript, I haven't read TypeScript, but Svelte. And after a while, you just maybe mark down MDX and that kind of thing. After a while, you start to get the catch of how they do things in, in a compiler. And then you start to see, because they followed certain kind of design patterns in doing things, then you start to get a hold of it. Then I guess you kind of know where to look for things. The learning curve is high and that's how I would recommend people to start. But once you get through that hump and you want to work on features on Svelte, I guess you just go to GitHub issues and find things, right? We have this new maintainer, Ben. He was like very helpful. Basically, he just go to every issues and trash them comments or you know close them if it's not relevant anymore i guess basically all the things is in the github issues like all the things that you can do is in the github issues and if you think it's not there maybe it's a feature that you want then rfc propose some feature requests this is something we discussed at the recent maintainers meeting is how can we aid new contributors getting on board and and uh, yeah like Tony says you know one of the things is raising a feature on github is an issue sure but if it's something that's going to cause a lot of discussion a lot of bike shedding that sort of thing then an rfc is the correct way to go about it because that's literally the place for that kind of thing we see a lot of pull requests come in that are a significant feature that's had no real discussion it's just been someone's idea and an issue no one's really fed back on it and it's just it's unlikely to get merged because what you're doing is you're affecting 
so many users with your API and the way that you think it should work. It's very kind of a unilateral mindset. So I think an RFC for an open discussion about how to shape the future of the Svelte API is really important. Also, you don't have to actually do coding to contribute to Svelte. Like you can fix documentation, you can blog about it, you can do videos on Svelte. Test PRs, you know, you can you can test existing PRs, you can feedback on them. There's there's loads of stuff like the way I became maintainer, it's because I was just basically closing issues verbally. <laughs> Obviously I couldn't actually close issues, but I was just saying this isn't an issue, whatever I've tested, this doesn't work or does work, whatever, and and that's it. And that's kind of how I became maintainer. That was my, that was my path in. And anything is useful, right? Anything that helps the community, anything that helps the burden on maintainers, because there you know, there aren't that many of us and we're we're very busy with our day jobs, I guess. So everything is useful. And I think Anthony mentioned about tests, right? So the best way of raising an issue on Svelte actually is to, I think most people would, some people would just describe the problem. A better way would be come up with a repro on Svelte repo, a minimum reproducible thing that we can just see, yes, it breaks. And I think even better would be write a test case that breaks. And that's even better. And we will just, Someone would be interested in writing the fix for it. You don't have to worry about, like, you don't know how to write the fix, right? I, I will be there, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes sense. If you could have any new feature in Svelte, what would be the feature you would pick? So what's on your wish list? Maybe a confession first. I'm not using Svelte at work. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm on a, like, yeah, we are, we are using React. <laughs> Too bad. But... Actually, what I want on Svelte, right? I feel like there's like a very huge potential for Svelte, like because it's compiler based, which is a place where it could do is to optimize for the server side rendering, and as well as like the hydration part. I think there's a lot of things that can be done. Basically, Svelte can know. Firstly, is SSR. I think it's already done basically, but there's like edge cases of SSR or things that I think SSR can do. Like for example, prefetch, because right now. If you're using an await block, basically server-side rendering will always returns you the pending, like the loading, instead of like resolve or whatever, right? Because the SSR is synchronous. So unless you're using Sepper, Sepper is different. So Sepper does it where it creates, there's a prefetch magic export where you can do a prefetch to do it. But SSR compile target, if you compile Svelte into SSR mode, you can't do that. It's synchronous, so you can't fetch anything. You can't fetch the await. And after that, basically, Svelte can know what elements or where it's static, especially if you are doing like a static site, like block. Basically, a lot of things are static. You don't really have to hydrate. Like hydrate as in... So how hydration works is that you have to map back whatever is on the DOM to a reference in your code, and then moving forward, just use those reference instead. And in the meantime, if you have things like event handler and action and things like that, you run those as well. So it just keep the part where we create nodes. The creation part is skipped because you just claim whatever is on the DOM. So for static sites, basically Svelte right now is claiming every element. It doesn't really care whether it's static or not, right? I feel that there's something that a compiler can do. A compiler should be able to know whether certain things are static or not. Right, there's a huge opportunity to improve over there, and that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm like kind of being part of Svelte because 
I want to try it out. Basically, I guess React team in Facebook, they are doing their own thing, but I can't get involved in those things. But I just want to try tech, like this concept, whether it works or not, right? That's what I'm interested in and I want to do something about it. Yeah. Have you looked at Elder.js? I haven't read through the code, but you guys mentioned about it last episode, right? So I went through the readme's and it's very interesting, but I haven't really looked into the source code yet to see how it's yeah. done. Because I think he's using, or they are using, I should say, a preprocessor for figuring out like what elements are to be hydrated. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that is one way to do it without having the actual feature in Svelte. I think they default to just using the server-side render. They render to server-side. Without a JS, yeah. I think that's an interesting idea. It sort of breaks some of the, like you can't really use actions, if that's your approach, I think. <laughs> which <laughs> Game over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like actions are kind of hydration for single elements in a way, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. If you could have that feature as well as the partial hydration of components, that would be nice. <laughs> Mostly because yeah. I like actions, though. Yeah, <laughs> you guys probably know that. I mean, a simple idea would be maybe a generated ID on on your element that you use an action, and then you just get element by ID to get that yeah. element only, and then you apply action on itself. Right? That would be much better than go through all the elements in on your DOM. Yeah, I was thinking about how you would do it, and that's pretty much like conceptually how I figured it would work. But I'm. I'm not experienced enough to actually implement it. so. <laughs> but I should try making a preprocessor for, for something like that. That would be fun. TypeScript. How do you feel about that in Svelte? Do you use TypeScript at work at the moment? And <laughs> <laughs> I think Swix knows about it, right? Yeah, we were using Flow. Breaking news. Right now, we are actually experimenting with migrating from Flow to TypeScript because of the community support that TypeScript has. But it's a pain process, but I guess we have to go through with that. We started very early with like our code base where we decided to use a static analysis, like a static type checking, right? And back then, I think that was three, four years ago. I think back then, Flow is more promising than TypeScript. Yeah, but you never know these kind of things, right? So <laughs> we were hoping that Flow gets better. And I was thinking about contributing to Flow, but it's written in old camel and it's just a pain to set things up and to read the code. <laughs> what are the pain points? Because I've accumulated quite a few stories of uh, flow to TypeScript migrations on the React TypeScript cheat sheet, and but mm-hmm, I haven't mm-hmm. done it myself. So on the surface, it looks pretty similar. There are yeah. some minor differences, but like, what, what's the, the pain? The pain point? as in there's there's a lot of work to be done, rather than yeah, that there's just a huge code base that there's a lot of work to be done. That's all. Yeah, and that takes time, right? You have to make sure that every code that you change or transform still works at its intended. Yeah, I think that's that's the main problem. So in Svelte, have you tried TypeScript in, in Svelte? Yep. I managed to make a PR on uh, language tools last week because we just merged this okay upcoming feature for Svelte. So I think in a Svelte component, you... Basically, you have slots, right? And basically, you can't know whether user of your component, whether they pass in a slot or not, right? Back then, it's not possible to do it unless you go through like the props and figure that out yourself. So the next version of Svelte would have a syntax called $slots where you can basically get that 
to know to figure out whether a certain slot is being passed in. So I was thinking, hey, this is a new thing. I think I should add it to the language tools as well, you know, to get the type checking for that. At least like when you type those slots and then you press a dot and then it should suggest you like the slots names that you use. That would be cool. That, Ooh, that's what I was thinking, yeah. right? So that's exciting. That is already merged in, but you still can't use dollar dollar slots yet. But I think it's working now, basically, I guess. Yeah, but the syntax itself is not available in Svelte yet. We haven't published a new version. All right. So do we have any last questions? No, I don't have any questions. I was just going to say that I think Tanley is basically the, the slots man. <laughs> <laughs> King of slots. <laughs> I learned a lot from slots. Like that, yeah. it, in the very beginning, it's very confusing, but I learned a lot. And there's a lot of bugs that I yeah, learned a lot, basically. That's... All right, so we're going to go into our second segment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking to get better at building websites in Svelte? Well, you're in luck. Level Up Tuts has tutorials on how to get started. Check out the Svelte for Beginners and Sapper for Beginners courses at svelteradio.com slash levelup. Now we're back to our regular topics. So first up, um, we have plenty. So what's plenty? Anyone? Know? I don't know where it came into my consciousness because I think it was on Hacker News a few weeks ago. They kind of build themselves as a site builder. I kind of think of them as a WYSIWYG CMS that you can edit directly on the site. So I've seen this before with Forestry's Tina CMS. And there's a bunch of CMSs that let you directly edit elements on your page. So if you go to plenty.co, you can you can just type in, you can just like edit parts of the page. And that's interesting. And it's built with Svelte. A good choice. Yeah. <laughs> a good choice, I'd say. <laughs> Always a good choice, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then we have Shepherd.js. So this is pretty cool, right? How would you describe this? You shepherd your users on your website to the correct features. It like highlights your... How would you describe this? It's like a t- tutorial walkthrough. It's like a yeah, guided walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. walkthrough. That that's good. Good way of describing it. It feels like a cartoony type of vibe. Actually, it's pretty similar to uh, Li Hao's own site because it has the like the black borders, very thick shadows. Anyway, I think that it's a tool for doing walkthroughs, and I think this is something that I'm. I haven't needed to implement something like this, but if I needed to do a product walkthrough, I'd use something like this for sure. Yeah. I think it's something that we would use, actually. We are using one, a competitor right now, but we're pretty unhappy with the competitor's bundle sizes and all sorts of other things. So definitely something I'll be looking into. Interesting. CodePen actually uses another version of this as well. I'm not sure what they call it. They talked about it on CodePen Radio, the thing that they use to do product walkthroughs. And I think there there are a bunch of these tools out there. I just haven't needed them. (laughs) But this one is built in Svelte. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so should we talk about this, the Svelte scale thing that Hef Nelson did? Yeah, sure. I've looked at it a little bit. So honestly, I don't know why he decided to do it this week, but this has been a very, very long-standing question about Svelte's overhead because Svelte, like Lee House says, is if you go through the compiling, you understand that there's some parts which are like quite repetitive and that's based on Svelte not having a runtime essentially or having a very, very small runtime. So 
Rich Harris also talked about this at the Swell Society Day final talk, where he said there is a crossover point, and when we get there, we can actually figure out how to optimize it because Feldman's language. What Half Nelson actually did was to essentially do run the simulations by bootstrapping pieces of source code from zero source kilobytes to 80 source kilobytes and then translate that to a bundle size of zero to 150 kilobytes. Just seeing like how much does that actually generate, right? How big does your source code base have to be to generate a bundle size of a certain amount? And then plotting a line, like a regression line, and then doing the, doing the same exercise for React and then plotting this felt line versus the React line and seeing where the crossover comes in. And then he concluded that the crossover point is about 120 kilobytes, which is pretty, pretty interesting because that's roughly the exact size of the React runtime itself, meaning that when you get to a point where your Svelte output, your Svelte compiler output gets to the size of React, then you're actually start, you're starting to be better off using React instead of Svelte. So his final point after arriving at that crossover point was that you never get there because Svelte component source sizes are so small that even the Svelte site, Svelte.dev site only gets up to 40 kilobytes, not 120. The real world medium clone Svelte site only gets up to 25 kilobytes. So you never get to 120. So the conclusion is, yes, it scales. But I think it's worth that final point clarifying that it is actual Svelte source that has to reach that file size. That's a lot of source. That's, an, that's a huge amount of source. I don't think all of our applications combined that we've built for Beyond are 120K. And if you're building an application that big, I think maybe it's even time to consider breaking it down to multiple applications because I can't imagine how big the application gets at that point. So it's, it's yeah, it's a pretty... It's a pretty important finding, I think, that the crossover point is almost impossibly high and a lot of users will never, ever reach it. There was a point about code splitting, right? So I think when we talk about bundle size, what we're concerned about is actually bundle size kind of correlates to how fast a user downloads your application and actually sees the code, right? Which means that what's the minimum size of code that you need to be in the browser before you can actually interact with the application? Right, that would be like the. So my point is like you you usually won't go there, right? Even you you mentioned that the whole site takes like thirty four kilobyte, but that's the entire site. You don't have to download everything to just see the website. I mean, if you say you want that, I don't think any user would go through from the first page to every page, like staying within the same session. Most probably, he will go like visit the first page and then you know close the tab and open again and go to another thing. So you don't really need to download entire site to just see the site. You just need that page, right? That is where you do code splitting, where you basically break down page level. And then probably if the page is too big, then you break down by component level where anything that is below the screen, where you don't see it on the first time, you don't really have to load them. That would be like the code splitting part. So, I mean, the entire site is 34 kilobytes, right? I think I get the number right. But if you do code splitting, then per page, is nowhere near there at all. Yeah, if you look at the way that, that Sapper does code splitting, for example, every every component is almost a different chunk. So it's it does a lot of that sort of heavy lifting of splitting for you. Good news for Svelte, I would say, all of this. <laughs> One element of that is also that he looked at Preact, and he also found that Preact had a shallower curve than Svelte, which I think was a very good point in favor of Preact. I think that maybe the, the other difference then comes with the other out-of-the-box features of Svelte compared to Preact. I think what Preact is only like three kilobytes or something, isn't it? 
Yes. Yes. So the, pretty, the runtime. Pretty small. Yeah. Super small. I think this comparison was also with like the animation library included as well as some other part. I think I read that somewhere. Uh, maybe I'm uh, misremembering though. I'm not sure. Anyway, let's move on. So the new Svelte Society website. Well, sort of new, kind of new. Last night, I, or was it the day before? Recently, anyway, I merged the staging uh, branch into the into the master branch, and so we have a a new website. It looks the same, but it doesn't have like the earlier website was only the the website for the Svelte Society Day. Now it's the actual website for for Svelte Society, and so all the the recipes are there. It's under heavy construction something I'd, I'd like to say. And we're looking for help. If anyone is keen on contributing, we welcome that. And if you want to add recipes, you do pull request with a new file. Yeah, I think you know. I think the recipes effort was quite successful. We got quite a bit of contributions. And honestly, I think now it's a matter of publicizing that we have them and then making it easy to contribute back. Like, like I don't see an edit button here. Uh, so you probably need to yeah, that's a, a good idea. link to GitHub. But yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully Svelte Society can be like a nice second layer on top of core Svelte API docs. And I think another, yeah, another good thing is if you see one of those recipes and you're like an expert in that particular field, then by all means, feel free to improve it, make it more concise, improve, you know, whatever else. Because I think a lot of it's kind of written by somebody who's kind of discovered how to do something and maybe it's not the best way. So all that kind of stuff is good as well. But it looks great. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Congratulations. It was time to get this merged in. <laughs> yeah. Things always take too long or like longer than, than you think, unfortunately. All right. Flare in Svelte. Have you guys used Flutter much? Only for the first time this week, because uh, we launched a Flutter. We we launched Flutter support at work, so AWS now supports Flutter, and people are very oh. excited about that. So it's like Amplify for Flutter, or yes, yes. But uh, people, Flutter, people are like AWS is supporting Flutter. It's a thing now. No, it's, it's one service in AWS supports Flutter. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than zero. <laughs> it's always funny how like you can tell the person's bias by how they spin things. <laughs> Anyway, so it's a start and uh, I tried it out. It's basically, you know, like a more type safe React, which is pretty funny about all the new UI paradigms. Like, is it Swift UI? Oh. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Swift UI. Swift UI. Yeah, okay. So there's Swift UI, there's Jetpack Compose from the Android team, and then there's Flutter. All of these are all React inspired. Like, uh, all their APIs are heavily, heavily React inspired. It's just like weird seeing React paradigms in other languages. <laughs> it's like, you know, Flutter is in Dart, and then uh, the others are in other languages. But, but I think one thing that's definitely in its favor is that it's got a better standard library. Like anything that you want out of the box, icons all the way down to scrolling infinite scrolling lists, all there. It's definitely much more convenient than <laughs> having to find your own. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember remember trying Flutter for a bit after using React Native for a while, and I was pleasantly surprised by it for sure. But Flare is something that you usually use to make animations that you can just import straight into Flutter pretty much. And someone made a, a Svelte, I don't know what to call it, like a Backer? library around, yeah. around, yeah, yeah, some something that makes it possible to import the animations into, into Svelte as well. So that's pretty neat. 
I haven't used a tool to make the animations, but it's supposedly very easy to make. The downside is that you have to import the Flare JS library, which is seven mega- megabytes big. Kind of a bit too big for the web, but maybe if you can make it work for Svelte Native, that would be cool. I haven't tried it, but maybe. So time for our second sponsor spot. We'll be back in a bit. All right. Our second sponsor is Mono Company. Mono is a digital product studio that works remotely. Within the Svelte community, you might know Wolfer. He's a designer that worked on the Routify website, and he also has worked on the Svelte Society Day website, as well as the Svelte Summit website. He wanted to sponsor this episode with a simple message that, as a design team, they are open for new client projects, and they have extensive experience designing web applications with full-on custom design systems. So Mono is typically responsible for the UI and UX in a project, and they work alongside developer teams. And they love designing web apps and want to support Svelte because it's an awesome framework. So check out their website at mono.company. That's M-O-N-O dot company. So we have some meetups to talk about. Yeah, I, I put some in here just to try to raise visibility for them in case anyone is in a position to join them. So I think the first is uh, Svelte Brazil is coming up on 1st September, which is like next week. Yeah, if anyone is speaking Portuguese and, and or is in Brazil, I would join them. I think they seem to be quite active. I think they have a monthly meetup going, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then Svelte Society Day France at the end of uh, September. Yeah, that's the end of September. That got more talks than, than Svelte uh, Society Day got, which is great. I am not going to understand them, but we can check it out and see, see what, uh, what's up in the, in the French side of things. The organizers are just really you know, responsive on the ball. It's, it's pretty exciting to see. I think the cross-language element is something that I've never personally done in, in terms of community building, but it's actually you know, pretty high potential for, for Svelte, at least, I think. Yeah, I'm going to bank on YouTube's auto-translate thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck <laughs> we'll with that. We'll see if that works. <laughs> yeah, all right. Svelte Philippines, this is new, right? Because of where their community is, they run it as a Facebook group, and it's private, so I cannot see when their next event is. But if you are in the Philippines, check it out. It's a Facebook group. There's like 150 people there. So it's a decent-sized meetup already. Cool, cool. Very nice. And then the big one. I'm going Svelte Summit. So last, oh, yeah. give us an update. Last, yeah, yeah. So, so we have loads of proposals for talks, which is good, like more than double last time so far. You can still submit proposals as well. So, if you're interested in in doing a talk, it could be long, it could be short, beginner, advanced, intermediate. Anyone is open to submit. You can do that on the sveltesummit.com website, and yeah, check it out. Okay, so I think that's all of our topics for the day. Do we have picks? I don't have picks. I did have a pick. I'm trying to remember what the pick was. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a pick. There's plenty of picks. I think my pick is going to be a really weird, a really abstract one. So I just want to say that I bought a dishwasher on eBay, right? <laughs> I bought it for 30 quid because I had a crack in some of the plastic on the side, like the water tank. I basically bought it for 30 quid. It's a 700 quid dishwasher. It's two years old. I got some Gorilla Glue. Maybe Gorilla Glue is my pick. I don't know. I Gorilla Glue the plastic <laughs> and it works perfectly. And I've now got a two year old 700 quid dishwasher. So that 
that is my pick because it's probably the best thing I've bought this year. Never mind, never mind. You know, <laughs> this recently. <laughs> so, Gorilla Glue is is the thing that like it sticks to glass and it makes. Is that what it does? It sticks to almost anything. Uh, the thing that it doesn't stick to is kind of like this kind of polypropylene plastic. I must say that the dishwasher is polypropylene plastic on the on the tank. It still sticks. <laughs> I sanded it down. It sticks fine. But the reason I use Gorilla Glue is because uh, one, it's waterproof, which is impressive for glue. And the second thing is actually heatproof. So it can withstand ridiculous heat, like 70 degrees. And also I think minus 20 as well. It's really, really resilient stuff. It's way better than any glue I've seen before. So yeah, Gorilla Glue is really, really good stuff. I think the way, it, the way it works is interesting. The way it works, actually, just a quick mention is that when you put it on something, it actually expands. So it expands into any pores it finds on the materials you're gluing. So it becomes almost part of the material. That's pretty smart. Mm. Yeah. I wish I was a material scientist sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any picks? Should I try to find something? <laughs> I can go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pick, actually, I'm going to pick GitHub's renaming project. So, you know, a lot of people are interested in moving, in renaming their default branches from master to something else. I think main is the default that, that, that people are moving towards. And, and GitHub is doing all the engineering for this for us. So they enabled the ability to, to fall back on branches, I think, in August. And the thing that they just released as a new feature is to set the default for new projects. So when you create a new repo on GitHub, you can set it to whatever branch name you like. And that's a new feature as well in Git itself. So Git version 2.28, which is released this year, has a new config called init.default branch that you can name. So I, I wrote up a cheat sheet of like things that you can do to do this renaming thing, and I put it in the list. But basically, GitHub's renaming is my pick. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, that's nice. The one thing that it doesn't have right now is mass renaming. You know, I have like 600 repos on GitHub. I'm not going to go through it and do it one by one. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, they're working on a tool to to do like a mass rename. That'd be pretty nice. I have a pick. Yeah, so I was reading, I think recently I was like subscribing to a lot of newsletter. I found this newsletter called Front End Horse. Very interesting. So it's like a horse as in H-O-R-S-E. Yeah, Alex Trust. Detailed breakdowns on how do you do like a certain animations or yeah basically interesting project i think the latest issue was that they break down like a code pen like telling you like the individual techniques and how to achieve that that was pretty amazing because usually when sometimes you know like newsletter will just like curate interesting projects or interesting pens but you kind of have to figure out yourself so yeah this is my pick front end horse guys Intend <laughs> horse. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's a funny name. What is this thing with horses? There's like the horse of JS and all sorts of things oh, like right. that. Yeah, horse <laughs> JS. I think that's unrelated. I think there's a horse TLD, and it's just it's just it's just better than you know dot com. So <laughs> cool. oh, it's it's an actual TLD. Yeah, front end dot, <laughs> dot horse. That's great. I, might get oh, I thought it was TLD. just like part of the name or something. <laughs> I, I guess it is, but. Yeah. So, okay. So my pick is a YouTube channel, a guy called Kevin Powell. He does like CSS stuff. And I've been binging on his videos the last week or so, uh, learning a lot of neat 
CSS tricks that I didn't know about. I highly recommend it. You can do a lot of things in CSS that you couldn't really do before. They're very neat. So you can get rid of a lot of JavaScript and just use CSS instead. All right. Cool. Those are our picks. And that was it for this week. And we'll uh, talk to you guys in a couple of weeks again. Thanks to Li Hao for uh, being our guest. Thanks for having me. Because a lot more people Amazing. listening than I thought they were. I, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> thanks to the people in the audience <laughs> for right. staying silent uh, the, in the entire time. <laughs> very thanks for having me. I've been, it's been very happy to be on here. <laughs> I've been listening for you guys for the past few episodes. He's a That's true awesome. fan. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. there, there's a lot of things to learn about Svelte. I think that's the only... It's rare to find Svelte podcasts or newsletter, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. For, sure. And it, for sure. And and you guys did a very good job of curating interesting projects that's coming up on Svelte. Thanks for the kind words. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.